welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast, or simply have an interest in sport, you've come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation, and as always, plenty of entertainment. I hope everyone is well and thriving as we get ready to embrace a new month. How is it almost February already? Crikey! I'm not complaining though, I've been loving the dry crisp weather here the last week or so. There's a definite feeling of spring in the air and it's made for some lovely long cycles in preparation for Bike Ballon Robe Ultra on March 12th. Did I tell you I'm doing a 12 hour solo bike race around the race course in Mayo? Yes, you heard me correctly, 12 hours on the ambulance track at the track, one mile loops. Myself and my fellow Galway babe, Karen, are both going solo for this event. I'm at the end of a big block of training this week, so hoping this lovely weather holds for a few more days as I have lots of miles to clock up before getting a well-deserved bit of rest next week. I probably won't be off the bike for long though, as I've gone a bit mad for road, or well, maybe off-road, picking up a fabulous Orbea Terra gravel bike from Mary Bikes in Ballinrobe last week. Big thanks to Eamon and his team for looking after me. I can tell you I am in love with my new machine. I've only been out on him for one 30k spin so far, but have signed up to the Cycling Connacht Women's Gravel and MTB Spin in Westport on the 6th of February. Galway Bay Cycling Club are hosting Ireland's first ever gravel bike series across the month of February, so I've signed up to race one of these events as well on the 12th of the month. And if all goes according to plan, I'm hoping to do the Newport Rocky Mountain High Enduro-style gravel race in Mayo on the 27th of February. So it looks like I'll be spending lots of time in the saddle over the coming weeks. To be honest, I'm making the most of being at home for a few more weeks until, fingers crossed, a very, very busy season of announcing and travel unfolds for 2022. If you are looking to kickstart your triathlon race season nice and early and test yourself, the Castle Race Series virtual events kick off this weekend with the January event. There are 14 race distances to choose from across five disciplines and you can complete your race at any time throughout the weekend. Check out the details on the website, trytalkingsport.com. Don't forget Lakuta Castle Triathlon and Multisport Festival on May 28th and 29th in Galway. Won't be long coming around either. There's 20% off race entry until midnight on the 31st of January. So book your place this week to avail of that discount. Now to this week's guests who made history on the 14th of January when they successfully swam from Ireland to Scotland making the North Channel crossing in under 13 hours. The six swimmers led by Jer Kennedy are the first team to swim the North Channel in the depths of winter making it an extreme swim in what is widely regarded as the toughest of all channel crossings. The team of Jer Kennedy, Dave Berry, Declan Bradshaw, Vincent Dunnigan, Colin Morris and Niamh McCarthy join me on the podcast this week for a very special show, sharing their tales from the epic expedition. With insights on the intensity of their training and preparation for the event, as well as sharing stories from the swim and the adventure that unfolded as they made the crossing. Starting in the dark at 06.56 in the morning, they made land in Scotland as the flower of Scotland boomed from the boat just under 13 hours later. A poignant and historic moment, not only for the swimmers, but for their crew on board and on land, their families at home and many supporters powering every swim stroke with their well wishes and donations to the Gavin Glynn Foundation, who, as of today, have now raised over €45,000 from the swim, which in itself is an incredible achievement. This is a longer episode than usual, so put the feet up and grab a cuppa or hop on the turbo, turn the pedals and enjoy the show. You're all very welcome to the podcast. I have Jer Kennedy, Declan Bradshaw, Dave Berry, Vincent Dunnigan, Colin Morris and the wonderful Neve McCarthy, who made history in the North Channel Swim 
I'm delighted to have the six swimmers on the podcast for this week's very special episode. We've probably been chatting for the last 15 minutes and there's been more laughter than chatting. So listeners, you're in for a massive treat today. To get us started, now they have been all over the news the past few days. In fact, probably the past two weeks, there was lots of coverage for our swimmers. But I'm going to start with a little introduction to our swimmers by the swimmers themselves. And Neve, because you are the one and only female in the group, we're going to start with you. Tell me who you are, where you're from, your background in swimming, and why you signed up to swim from Ireland to Scotland. Neve McCarthy. I'm a, I'm a Northsider, a Dubliner, very proud Northsider. I started swimming when I was four. I was brought to the pool with my sister and my dad brought us and I swam all the way till I was 15 competitively until I had had enough. I found boys and makeup and stuff like that. So I said, no, no more. The chlorine was ruining my hair and everything else. So I found uh, I found new interests. And I gave it up. And to be honest with you, at that stage, I more or less turned around and said, if I never see a swimming pool again, it'll be too soon. Because obviously, as a lot of you would know, swimming competitively um, at a young age means every morning before school and every evening. So it pretty much took up my life and that of my family's. And my poor father, Lord Mercy, was up every morning bringing me to the pool before he went to work. So it was very time consuming. I did love it, but enough was enough at that stage. So I pretty much gave it up. The only swimming I would have done then at that stage was on holidays in the pool with family or whatever. And then I took up triathlon a few years ago with Jer Redmond, who you are familiar with. Um, and I did that for a while, but unfortunately, my hips, I have osteoarthritis of the hips, so they gave up with the cycling and the running. So I got dragged over the south side by Mr. Morris <laughs> to meet my fellow walrus crew um, thinking I'd just be swimming on a Sunday at the 40 foot, not knowing that I'd be swimming uh, what, a few months later from uh, Northern Ireland to Scotland. So it was a little bit of a, uh, a surprise, but uh, that's pretty much how I got involved with these guys and from that, I got kind of, I suppose, roped into uh, swimming the channel. But to be honest with you, it was an absolute honour and, and a privilege to be part of the team. So in the long run, Mr. Morris did me a favour. And I'm so happy to be a part of these mad lunatics that I swam with last Friday. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you for that. I'm going to jump down to uh, Colin Morris, actually, to ask him the exact same questions again. Colin Morris, um, school teacher, primary school teacher from um, Malahide, grew up in Malahide, uh, living in Donabate now, again, um, representing, I was the sole kind of Northside representative um, until Neve came along. And again, I don't don't have probably the same swimming background as such as a lot of my teammates here today. I I grew up uh, playing a lot of team sports, primarily uh, football, um, long history in, in junior and amateur football. Uh, obviously swam in the pool and you know the, the primary school kind of swimming programs um, and obviously growing up in Malahide was used to going down to the, the beach but uh, would have been kind of to just to get in and to, to dip into the water um, and about 10 years ago uh, struggling with injuries in, in with the football and struggling to go out for runs and the knees hurting I decided to to join the pool and kind of on and off for the last kind of nine probably nine years before COVID just training on my own, just on my own in, in, in the pool, just getting stronger and stronger. Um, I, I remember the first session I did, and again, just to anybody that's thinking about getting into swimming, the first session I did when I joined the pool, um, I did 10 50s and I really struggled. I said, that's, I'll start with something. I didn't know what to start with. I started doing 10 50s 
and built it up and built it up to, to whatever to, to, to swim and I suppose you know as, as long as I wanted or as, mu- as much time as I had and then in the middle of COVID and um, waiting for the pool to open I used to go down to the to the water with the with the lads and get in and have a chat and stuff like that and I was looking at people there's a kind of a well-known swimming spot in the north side the low rock where there's three boys there laid out in a kind of 900 meter circuit and I was looking at people swimming around them and just thinking to myself, well, I could do that. So I I, I started off and took the, the brave step one Saturday morning to, to, to have a go. And I just fell in love with, with, with the open water. It was so much better than the pool. I continued to swim in Malahide and down in Port Ran near where I live in Donna Bay. And two really good swimming spots on, on the north side. And then when it got into the winter, um, I was listening to people saying, you know, it's a bit more dangerous. Um, to swim on your own in the winter and stuff like that none of my friends are swimmers so i literally used the internet for good good purposes googled dublin sea swimming groups and came across jer sent him a text and uh, went out had a first swim with him and it went from there doing the best things i've ever done so um that, that, that's me really and to, to to then become a part of this the the challenge when you, you don't get offered to do something that's never been done before all that often so i jumped at it Brilliant. I love it. Next, I'm going to come to you, Vincent. Vincent Donegan. I'm uh, living in Kingswood in Dublin, just off the N50 there. So uh, I've been swimming since I was shortly after I could walk. My mom, parents brought me to the pool for me, three, four years of age. Started swimming. And similar story to Neve. So I just started swimming, swam competitively through uh, primary school into secondary school. These five, six o'clock mornings, I started just lucky that there was a pool in my secondary school. So I started swimming in there and then swam right up into uh, leaving search year and probably slightly after, but then kind of I uh, just fell out of it, just kind of, I suppose girls came on the scene, I suppose, and kind of other things started kind of coming up. So kind of gave it a kind of a misstep for a while, done a few other bits and pieces, a little bit of running, stuff like that. So kind of got heavily into running then about 10, 12 years ago. And uh, got quite addicted to that. I've done, done a quite a few marathons, kind of a lot of hill races and stuff like that. But then again, through injury, kind of started to ease off and kind of temper back on what I was doing. And then 18 months ago, one Sunday morning, we're a couple of the lads. Thanks, Chair. <laughs> A couple of the lads were just talking about going out to the 40 foot for a dip. And I've been I've been out to sea for 30 odd years. I've still had a scuba diving as well, but it's always been in dry suits. Hard, hated the cold. And um, so just one Sunday morning, jumped into the 40 foot. Could not wait to get out of it. Thought I was going to die when it was that cold. It was, this was August, September. Um, but then just persisted with it. And then just kind of went back out on my own once or twice. Seen the first boy, got out to the first boy. Said, yeah, this is easy. I went to the second boy. And just kind of, it just escalated from there. And then... Uh, one Saturday or Sunday morning, Jerry mentions the North Channel swim. And that was the end of it. Just kind of, yeah, I'm in. Go for it. So uh, just one thing led to the other, really. Just kind of naturally just happened. So it's all Jerry's fault, really. It's all Jerry's fault, yeah. Blame for everything. <laughs> we'll come back to Jerry in a minute. Before we go to Jerry, I want to talk to Declan uh, and ask you, Declan, the same questions. Uh, who you are, where you're from, your background in swimming and why you signed up to the team. I didn't know we were going to be telling our life stories. But <laughs> I was born at a very early age. And uh, then when I was one, no, I, I actually was brought up about 200 metres away from a swimming pool in Tipperary Town, which was just nothing else to do but swim. So my Saturdays, like I'd spend five hours in the pool with my friends just messing around. And I swam and always have loved swimming all my life. Um, I uh, swam in college, played water polo. I uh, I went to the States, was in the States for 12 years over in Seattle. So I did a lot of, a uh, bit of open water swimming. I wouldn't say a lot, some triathlons, Ironman, stuff like that. Used to swim in the pool a lot. Just loved swimming. Came back to Dublin, same thing. Uh, I was doing a bit of swimming. 
everything shut down because of COVID. Uh, and I recall going out to the 40 foot or sea point on my own and it wasn't enjoyable. But I remember one day I was out of the 40 foot and there was a piece of A4 uh, stapled or, or sellotape to the, the wall in there about the walruses come join us. We're here at 10 o'clock on a Sunday. So I turned up and I uh, walked up to this fellow who I thought was Jar. Uh, and it wasn't. Jar's a lot smaller than he than you think he is. Uh, he's bigger in life, you know. Um, so uh, um, and anyway, I was indoctrinated and I ended up just swimming. And and I think what happened, and you know, we were all swimming, we do a couple of hundred meters or whatever. And we used to just keep keep challenging ourselves more and more, swimming longer and longer and, and testing ourselves and the cold, testing ourselves distance and all that sort of stuff. And and I think there was a small band of reprobates, including this crew that, uh, you know, I call them the Bortus swim crew that really started just expanding our experiences. And, and uh, then Jar kind of selected the, the people with that little madness in their eye to say, right, we're going to do something. And uh, I'm very grateful to be one of the six, you know, so that's how it happened. The, the North Channel Six. There has to be even her five friends, you know. Even her five friends. There has to be a hashtag. <laughs> there is actually hashtag ketchup. That's hashtag ketchup. <laughs> ketchup is in, you know, the red sauce. Ketchup or ketchup. Yep. No ketchup is in the red sauce. That's us. OK, we might have to find out what the story is behind that. But we'll keep going with our introductions because Dave Berry has been messing the whole time there. And um, Dave, we'd love you to tell us who you are, where you're from, your background in swimming and why you signed up to the swim. My name is Dave Berry. I kind of got into swimming late. Sorry, when I was in school, I used to do a lot of cross country, rugby, a uh, bit of swimming, not much. And, uh, and then when I got to those teenage years, just everything stopped. And then about four years ago, I decided to try and get fit again, joined UCD, managed to get two lengths of the pool and uh, was happy with myself, even though I was exhausted and then kind of just stuck at it. I'm a bit competitive. Uh, sometimes I just don't know when to let go. Um, and uh, I kept on swimming and swimming. And then COVID came along and I started dipping my toes in the water a bit more. Before I used to do a bit of sea swimming, I wore a dreaded wetsuit and occasionally you'd bump into Jair in the water. And uh, the frowns would be given, the, the one-liners and the big no-nos. So COVID came along. I started swimming more and more and more. And Jer started up the walrus group, which had been going for some time, but I only sort of found out about it and signed up for it. And it was to swim through winter. And one day became two days. That became, uh, well, I didn't really stop swimming for uh, over a year, every single day, kept at it. And then Jer, about four months ago, just sort of mentioned this mad idea and we all kind of said yes with big questions because it just seemed very very daunting the next minute we were on a boat swimming in the sea so that's pretty much it Jared Kennedy I don't know whether I need to ask you all the same questions again because you've been on the podcast before Dr Ice himself uh, the King Walrus expedition leader the brainchild I suppose motivator the event whilst it only came to our minds outside of your swim group and maybe of the main walrus group and your own community of, of swimmers and, and your families we came to know about it in only recently like as in in the last two weeks or so but this event has been something that's been in your mind for quite a while yeah Joanna I started October 2018 it was the first email I sent to Project Malin actually about this uh about this challenge I had, our concept of swimming the North Channel in winter, which was 
ridiculously extreme even back then even now and uh, I started from there and again I had selected a team of international sort of superstars in cold water there was actually no Irish on it because the, we hadn't got the talent here in that kind of to survive you know an hour and seven degrees or but that's kind of your lowest limit uh, I actually had South Africans and Americans everything Australians and they were all willing to come and that kind of, we had an opportunity, I think, in 2019, and I just wasn't ready for it. And then COVID hit, and then that kind of idea was, you know, not going to happen. So I kind of relaunched it again about kind of in my own thoughts about a year a year before we started. And I just realized from the first lockdown COVID, what kind of talent has, has come to my doorstep through uh, advertising and you know a, a wallless group and stuff like that lo and behold I found these five uh, these five, well five plus many more fantastic swimmers and uh, which I was thrilled with because of the that's the kind of I always believe in starting you know starting charity at home so I always wanted Irish an Irish team like this and a really hardcore team and that was it so it's it started from there Joanna you know you mentioned the word extreme, Jerry, and this swim has been done before during the summer. But why, yeah. what makes it so extreme? Why is it such a difficult swim to do? Well, it's difficult any time of the year, piano switch it, you know, put that out to your listeners there. I mean, the North Channel is the toughest channel in the world, uh, to my opinion. Um, okay, now put cold water on top of that, or extra cold, which would be winter. So we're looking at temperatures of a range between seven, eight, and nine which the lap of the gods, what we were going to get, to be honest with you, we didn't know. So we put all that in. I mean, it makes it an extreme challenge that, you know, I, I was I was invited to many extreme relays over the years, mainly in Russia, say across Lake Baikal or um, extreme peninsulas, you know, uh, in Siberia and stuff like that. And I did enjoy them, but they were kind of 15-person, 20-person relays. It's quite common in Russia to have those kind of relays of that kind of, magnitude of people so you might only do 10 minutes 15 minutes to me we kind of selected maybe a half an hour at first and uh, that was against North Channel rules and we said look we discussed this about an hour and I, I said yeah I think an hour is, is doable so don't forget we're into the unknown here for a few of us and an hour was what we selected. That's a long time to be in the water. Yeah yeah it is um, you know we could have selected half an hour the ILDSA, Irish Long Distance Swimming Association, you know, their, their rules state one hour for a relay. The rules are already written before we had to uh, do a special set of rules for the circumstances. So I kind of went, look, for red tape purposes, I only had about four months to put this together. Uh, I said, look, I, I think we have to go for the hour because I, I just can't really take on the logistics of and the ILDSA committee and actually uh, changing the rules to suit us, which would be which would be an AGM, EGMs, various things. I was already taking a lot of people's time in in helping us out and understanding what I was trying to take on or what we were trying to take on. So I left. I, we got to the hour for that reason, and that was a standard we had to meet. Yeah. Um. In terms of training, Neve, um, the type of training required. You mentioned you'd been a competitive swimmer as a youngster, had kind of moved away from it, had come back via triathlon and whatever. But it's one thing to go out and swim for an hour and do a relay across the distance that you covered 
I think is it a 35 kilometer distance and it was 42 that you swam. So to do it as a relay in an hour anyway, in regular summer water temperature is there's a lot of training required for that. But when you bring it back down to the cold water temperature and the air temperature, there's a whole other ball game in terms of the training and the preparation required. Will you talk me through a little bit of it? And if any of the lads want to jump in as well, maybe just to give some uh, insight for the listeners as to what the training was actually like uh, to get ready for it. Yeah, so I suppose um, from my point of view and, and most of the lads, I suppose a lot of our pool training went by the wayside and we just stuck to the to the sea. Um, obviously, as the months went on, it got colder. But um, in Jared's opinion, it still probably wasn't cold enough. So he dragged us up to the lakes, up to Glendalough and Loch Bray, um, just to, to make it more difficult. I suppose, as he mentioned there, like it was the unknown. We we kind of felt it would be anywhere around seven, but like we we didn't know what we were going to. It hadn't been done before in the middle of winter, so we didn't know what to expect. So I think Jerry's thinking was that if we were up there and we were in five, six, seven degrees swimming in that, and we were able to do it and get get out and get our core temperature back up, that we would be able to do whatever the North Channel threw at us in in January last week. So. We did a few trips, uh, like team trips, when we were able to organise all six of us free. And that would have consisted of getting in for, I mean, I suppose, 20 to 30 minutes in those temperatures um, and then trying to warm up outside on the bank of, of the lake. And then a couple of us would have gone up at various times that suited us. Like I was able to go up in the mornings once I did the skill run and and Vincent sometimes as well and, and, and Dave and then a couple of the girls as well would come with us. So we we do it ourselves, like we supplement our training in in, in the, the midweek and we go up to the lake again, maybe Loch Bray and uh, do the same thing. And that was like, I honestly think that was a godsend because, you know, I just think it's hilarious that we say the Irish Sea wasn't cold enough. Like who would ever utter those words and think that it was true? But like, I think what Jared did in bringing us up there was actually huge help to us because when we did swim the North Channel, there wasn't that major shock that we we could have had. Um, and also then, you know, we would have had the the weekend training with the rest of the walruses as well. So we continued that as a, as a group and ultimately then did our own training most days. I mean, I know I met Colm. He's a, a fellow Northsider. So I'd meet him at Low Rock or out in Terra Bay and we do our swimming out there after school or whatever. And um, we try every time we got in closer and closer to the swim day to do an hour just so we got our body used to it. Um, obviously, some of the times there in December, January, it was dark as we were nearly getting into the water. So we were swimming in complete darkness. So that was a, a mental challenge as well. But I think from all of our points, of view, I know Declan, obviously, he works away a lot as well. So he would have done a good few lake swims in various places that he was in as well. So it was just keeping that momentum going and then just like literally challenging your body to those really low temperatures. And it's like nothing I'd ever experienced before. You Like you literally cannot feel your hands, your feet or anything. And trying to get changed after the lake swims was, was fun. But it definitely stood to us, Joanne, to be honest, which I don't know if any of the lads want to add to that. Yeah. But from my point of view, it did. I would add I would add a couple of things. So for, you're, you're right. And the training together was from, was really, really the key. We used to have to do these what we call qualification swims, uh, which was probably the biggest test. And we did we did them together, actually, because it's pretty much impossible to do them alone. And, and the qualification swims, we would get in for an hour. And uh, I know some of us got the qualification swims and we were swimming at 8.3 degrees. Um, and we'd swim for an hour um, and work hard for that hour. But then we get out 
and we'd have to hang around the 40 foot or Kalini Beach for three hours and then we get in again for another hour and that was really hard because and and Jar will talk about you know the recovery and what we had to do to recover to get warm again but that was probably that was the, the it's nearly like hell week I would describe um and we did those really successfully as a team and we had to kind of break it out up a bit and we certainly had support to do it um but actually what that did as well as build you know our own internal capabilities we all knew we were capable of doing the swims after that, which was really important when we were getting to, into the water in in, um, in Northern Ireland, because you got to trust the people around you. You know, if one of us were not capable of doing it, there's a high chance that the whole thing would fail, right? You know the rules. If someone can't do the hour, you're out. Um, and I, I certainly thought when I looked uh, around my teammates, we can do this together, definitely. There wasn't one weak link in the team, not one, maybe me, but not one uh, because uh, we all felt, I actually felt that each one of us could do three hours if we needed to versus we we, had, we did it in less, right? Uh, Jeremy was the only one that had to do the three swims. But I think we were all well capable of knocking out those three Sometimes we've been exhausted afterwards, but that that to me was the the a real kind of mental barrier that we overcame, and uh, in, in trusting the entire team to be capable of of doing it. You know, you mentioned trust and a bit of belief as well. There, uh, Declan, two of the words that come to me were uh, the confidence in the water that you were all confident on that start line last Friday that you could complete it, no matter what was kind of thrown at you. Dave, Declan talks about the trusting in his teammates, but then it's your own self-belief as well and your own confidence in the water, maybe how important that is uh, for each individual and then the belief of the team. Going into the swim or building up to the swim, I, I was pretty confident that we all had it and there was no issue, but there was some unknown things. So for instance, I, I got COVID, two of us got COVID around Christmas and I got knocked back bad on that. So right up until the Tuesday before the swim, I was quite nervous. And we had an extra person in the in the banks, which is Edward, who trained with us, done the qualification swims and was in the sidelines. And I think if the swim had have actually been on the Tuesday, I'm not too sure I would have been able to do it because that Tuesday I just got hit with another wave of just no energy, exhaustion. But the next day, the Wednesday, I went out and did a 70 odd minute swim in the sea and that gives you back your confidence so you always have that sort of niggle in the back of your head and then it took a rest day and then we went up and we did the swim and the day of the swim it was never about the fitness it was it was the thing that for me on the swim was the darkness <laughs> i'd actually avoided apart from sunrise and twilight swims i'd never swam in that darkness so when i got in for my last leg it was complete black like you you could not see anything and I actually found it quite comforting. I, I found it great. I just like you were swimming. You had a little green torch on the back of your head. Occasionally a wave would break over your head and you get this green light all around you. And it's kind of fun and eerie. And then you just continue on. And I know when the boat. So as you're swimming along, I had the boat on the left hand side of me, but the, the, the ladders on the right. So the boat would come around to be on your side. And that's pretty much you knew when your swim was going to be up in the next few minutes. And I actually didn't want to get out. I actually felt great. So for me, the the, the fear was the, the the week or so beforehand for it. And that that was the difficult point for me. But as regarding the rest of the teammates and stuff, we, we'd, we'd all we'd all swam for 
the water temperature in November was it November early December it was like it was way colder it felt way colder that was harder and then we got a, a relief the temperature came up for a little bit and then it started dropping again just before the swim but we, for me there was, there was no question we could all do it it was just the elements of what we couldn't control so was it going to be super windy and wind chop or was there going to be an illness did you have perfect conditions we started it was really good uh i was comfortable when we were rocked up to the the pier that day i thought it was pretty good there was a period for about two three hours i think declan and vincent had a bit of chop for theirs like it was proper not proper chop but it was two three feet but again it was nothing that we hadn't swam we'd swam in a hell of a lot worse than that so it 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 was more just we went out the night before we all took bets on how long the swim was going to be. And a lot of people said 13 hours. And I still look back at that and go, how do people actually get to that time? Like, cause, cause when you look at the speed of, of the records of what people have done on it, but then you enter in the cold water. So in cold, in the pool, I would do a kilometer in just over 16 minutes, but in the sea, no matter how fast I swim in winter, it'd be 20 odd minutes because it's so cold that you're using so much energy in your body to heat yourself, but you, you're out of breath because you're generating that energy to stay warm. But you think you're actually swimming hard, but you're not as fast as in the pool. So there's, there's those kind of elements of how long we're going to get. But as was said before by Declan, the, the three rotation, there, there was no question. Like I actually wanted to do three. I think most people wanted to do three. So kind of annoyed we didn't do it two-way I'm gonna swim back to Ireland but anyway it's another day <laughs> next time uh, I, I'm gonna to come to Vincent and Colm and yeah. ask either of you to talk to me about exhaustion so both Declan and Dave have mentioned there about different aspects of exhaustion you have the tiredness from the swim but your body's burning extra calories to stay warm uh, while you're swimming you know how did you navigate levels of exhaustion to stay fresh for your two swims because it wasn't just one swim it was a two-hour swim over you know a six-hour period or a seven-hour period that you each did so i think just getting out when we just get out and just doing a few little exercises to warm up and start getting our body temperatures up like we our body temperatures have dropped to 27 and a half 28 degrees which is, it's abnormal. Like we should be all in ICU at this stage, you know, but we were so used to that as well. But then you look at your watch and look at what you've burnt and say this way scenario, maybe burnt seven or 800 calories, but what the body is trying to reheat in the hour or two after that is phenomenal. My, me personally, I wasn't a huge eater, but I knew that I had to eat and kind of just get high calorie food. So it was just noodles, just getting some food in and um, to try and get it up, to try and get some heat back into the body, not burn too many calories. Um, and then going on from that, it was just hanging around, just trying to, like, I had a lot of dried fruit as well. Um, but I think even though the, when the body temperature comes back up and you feel actually quite good, the body still hasn't recovered, even getting in for the second swim. So maybe that's playing on your head a little bit as well. And maybe on the second swim, you could feel it a little bit, maybe a little bit of a cramp and stuff like that on the second swim. But uh, yeah, it was just, I suppose, passing the time, just trying to get it to eat as much as we can keep yourself well hydrated. Because it's just even... Fluids from a fluid point of view, just because you're in the water and you kind of you don't feel thirsty, but the body is just kind of it's it's using so many so many calories to keep itself warm. As Dave was saying, like you're swimming, you don't realize how many calories you're burning to keep the body warm to keep it moving. Like you get cold, the whole body's just gonna freeze up. I'm listening to you, and I'm like, yeah, twenty six degrees, yeah, and the body's going to freeze up. And what? Yeah, we were out with one of our training try, which is one of our training swims there a couple of probably back in, I think it was around early December, late November, but we were using just your regular thermometers that you would buy in the pharmacy, but they all, they all cut out at about 32 degrees. 
So we have the little thermometers that we would check the water temperature. And so just one day I decided to stick it in my mouth. You just put it under the tongue. The way your mum had done years ago, putting a little glass thermometer under your tongue. And I was just looking at this thing and just kept going down and down and down and down. So I think when you kind of, when it started, I think I got down to about 27.6, 27.8 at one stage. And you kind of realized I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be still standing talking to people. But I think that kind of built a lot of confidence in us as well. The fact that we knew we were able to control our body, to let it go down that, that low. And we could actually recover from it. So when you leave the temperature in your mouth, every 10 or 15 minutes, you can see it starting to creeping up and creeping up. And creeping. And then it gets to probably 31, maybe 32 degrees, but it takes a dip again. And then slowly it comes up and then you're back up within, I'd say probably with 90 minutes, it takes to get it back up to a 36, 36 and a half degrees. So like the, the energy the body is taking to do that, it's just massive. Like it's just, a, it's like, it's, it's just amazing to see it. And the, ways, the way we all, the confidence that built in us all being able to do that was amazing. And before I pop across to Jer, because I want to talk a little bit more about some of those recovery strategies and things that you did. But before I do that, Colm, can I ask you, how did you decide who was going to do the rotations? Did Jer decide that? I was just going to say, you might have to, you might have to keep flicking over to Jer. My background is in team sports and any successful team, I mean, needs, needs a manager or a captain, depending on the sport, to, to make decisions. Um, and they need the, the people underneath underneath them and depending on the sport to, to back those decisions. And again, I manage football teams and when you whatever decision you make, if you win the match, it was the right decision. So we 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 won, we won our swim. So we got there. So the decisions that he made were the right ones as far as I'm concerned. And and that's the way it goes. And when you make those decisions, it's on you. And it was on Jay, and I'm sure that was added pressure to him. Um but you know, he had various reasons, obviously, why he made those calls, but we got there. So they were the right calls. Just to tip back, just to switch back a little bit to the to the exhaustion that you asked uh, Vincent about there. Two things for me, to be with these people on that boat on that day was an absolute privilege. And they, you know, I didn't feel exhaustion. That was one of the best days of my life. Overall, it was an amazing experience. And, you know, the other thing, the other little crew member that kept me going might have done uh, the rest of their heads in was the music. Music was a massive uh, a part of the boat. With the playlist going all day, upbeat music. So it, it really helped. It might have annoyed a couple of them at times, but overall it helped. Just to talk to me again about the, the relay, you started just before seven o'clock Friday yeah, six, morning. 6.56. 6.56, the bell tolls. And Jer got into the water first and did an hour. Yeah, and I I, I was I was in next. Um, just kind of just starting to... I, Probably a few minutes. It's still in uh, darkness, and uh, I kind of swam into into light. Uh, Declan took over for myself, then Neve, then Vincent, and then Dave, and then obviously back to Jer for round two, and just Jer for round three. It was the, the last hour was kind of touch and go whether I'd be getting in again, and that was a little bit. <laughs> I was called in a couple of times to the captain. You're definitely going in. You're definitely not. You're definitely going in. But again, none of it mattered. We we got out. We got to Scotland as a team. That's all that matters. There must have been great uh, excitement and nervous excitement on the boat before you went in. But before we come to all of that, Jared, the recovery, because that is massive. I mean, that's life or death, really. You know, you've done all your training, you've done all your swimming. But if you don't recover properly in between your stints, you're not going to be able to get back in the water again. And obviously you were under supervision with the medical team that were on board and things like that. But talk us through some of the extremes that you went to to make sure that your team were safe when they came out of the water. The, the team said about the preparation for water temperatures is only part of it as well. Um, swimming in lakes, you know, 
six, five, six, seven, eights, you know, um, non-buoyancy, things like that. That's that's okay. That'll get you so far. But it's the aftershock or the, the afterdrop that's going to come at you after one hour swim in eight degrees is quite, it's for normal people, it's quite shocking. I came up with a kind of name as Confined Recovery, um, which is basically standing in a one meter squared area with a series of uh, squats or leaving lunges or a kind of, we're now calling it calinetics, movements, structured movements, and a certain, like a counts of, say, four, four by 15 sets. This would actually start to pump the, the cold blood back into our body and start to work the body in a confined space. So we're actually practicing on the beach so that when I bring everyone onto the boat, we remove the seats, we remove certain seats from the boat to create a space. And then one of our team members, Kelly, uh, was able to do this these calinetic movements on the boat uh, in count form, exactly the way we practice on the beach. And uh, it was a big success, very big success. Um, and every swimmer protocol had to go through it, regardless if they're strong, weak, or in recovery, they had to go through this process. And then they would rest. Uh, the, the Darren, the Dr. Darren would take over and he would measure again. And if we say, okay, it's still very low at 29 degrees, well, then we repeat, we repeat more of these uh, uh, squat calinetics movements, you know. Um, and it was quite a groundbreaking, actually, because no one ever has done this kind of method. And it's not new. It's just, I've seen it before. Um, I've seen before people like, you know, running on the spot and jogging. We couldn't run on the spot because we're on a boat. You know, we can't do kind of press-ups or stuff like that. We can't have the room. So we had to come up with an alternative. And uh, we came up with squats and uh, a bit of music actually complemented the squats as well, which, which really worked very well. So there's one swimmer swimming. There was one swimmer warming up. What was everybody else doing in between their swims? Or like while you were waiting to get into the water. Suffering columns playlist. <laughs> Throwing stones in the water. Earth lag, earth lagging me, Joanne. <laughs> no, we were always sporting Eve. All 13 of us. You, you find, I mean, when so you do a relay, you say, okay, one hour in, five hours out. And you, that sounds all lovely, right? Sounds fantastic. But before you know it, you've got one hour recovery. You've got an hour to get your food together, which everything gets slowed and you know everything becomes then you have a bit of time to rest if you're lucky you might get less than an hour half an hour and before you know it someone says to you you got an hour to go for your rotation and this time just goes by so quickly uh, we've had this many times under relays and the five hours and but now the cold put in the cold factor on top of that everything is double hard you know like uh, the basic the basic kind of was putting your gear away. Uh, we didn't have the room. Gear started to get lost. Towels were getting wet. Togs were getting, are you putting on dry togs, wet togs? Everything becomes a fuss because, you know, uh, uh, that's just the way it is on a small boat. And uh, the boat was 11 and a half meters. And that's quite a small boat with, with 13, 13 people on it. So, um, yeah, so, and then you're cold and you're sliding, and then you're, you're exhausted from actually swimming in the cold water. So everything gets harder and harder and harder. And the only thing we're lucky, it didn't rain. If we had rain, it would have been an absolute nightmare. And if the sea was rougher, so we really done well in our conditions, you know. I want to ask you about nerves and excitement. 
there was a lot of media coverage before you went to the swim because it was such an extreme challenge. It was a big, massive thing that you were going to undertake. So there must have been a level of great excitement with the publicity. The WhatsApp groups were flying, but also a sense of nervousness. How did you deal with nerves? Were you afraid? Anybody afraid of what was about to be undertaken? We were just get us to the start line, just get us started. So it was just impatience that that's where we were going. And once we started, we knew we could finish. And so we were just the weather window. That was that was it. It was just get us to that start line. And I know we were we were all kind of doing some media interviews and, you know, giving quotes. And Neve was, you know, giving us coaching on how to do all that. But and Dave was brilliant as well as <laughs> setting up all the things. But really get us to that start line. Right. That was that's the way I thought about it anyway. And we all knew that once we get into the water, there was no nothing was going to stop us. We had quite a small weather window, but it was just perfect. I don't think we would have asked for better conditions. There's no no rain, a little bit of chop in the second half, but it was just, we were just blessed. We'd done the training, so it made it, it was enjoyable. I was, I was the last to swim, so I had five hours in the boat of watching everyone. Between my first and my second swim, the time absolutely flew by because you had the hour of trying to get warm, then you'd heat, then you'd have a bit of time to yourself, have a bit of banter, and then you get ready to going again. But the first five hours, it was, it was, um, yeah, I just, I think the last 40 minutes, I just got really nervous just before I got into the water. And then as soon as I hit the water, and I think it was the same with everyone that I watched beforehand, it was just go. We knew exactly what we were doing. We'd done the training. And then going back to what Jer said, the only thing that really threw us was my last swim was in darkness. And because we had to watch the swimmer, there was no lights on the boat apart from little red lights, but it was really hard to find gear. So... I couldn't find a hat, so I had to borrow one off Declan, which I've still yet to return or find it. Um, and it was just that messiness of of that's the bit we didn't train for, or the bit we hadn't I hadn't thought about. So next time you just pack two bags for each of the swims or whatever it might be. But apart from that, I think everything else we, we were prepared for. I think the, the the only tension really before we we, we took COVID very seriously and we um we had to do tests and and hand them in to our, our COVID officer Neve uh, every day and um that was nerve wracking that actually took away really thinking about worrying about the swim I, I was terrified and I, I was going into the school to work as well which we all have seen what schools are like so once it got in inside the seven days that if you you know if you tested positive you were gone from the swim after the months of training that was terrifying. One bit for the podcast I'd highly recommend going back and trying to find is uh, is Colm appeared on TG Carr and uh, <laughs> the interview is in Irish and geez, he's a good speaker, serious <laughs> motivator. We we haven't told Colm that um, the second half of this interview has been done Osgoilga and he's going to be the only one on the show itself. Everyone else will be will be it's gone. Go, he's going to his his uh, computer is going to start installing updates again all of a sudden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people who mightn't have seen some of the videos the swimmer jumps into the boat there's a swimmer in the water what were the rules around the relay part of it there like there's no tag to pass over okay off you go there Declan <laughs> I learned something from Neve and and uh, she was very clear about it so there's this great video so uh, I um, I was swimming and Neve was uh, coming in after me right so the, the strategy is, and I'll, I'll kind of briefly go through it. So called up by the crew to get ready to go as there's someone swimming. As as Dave said, the boat makes sure that you're swimming right beside the ladder or just out from the ladder. So we were on the, 
was at the port side, I think that's where the ladder was. And I was swimming on the port side. And Neve was getting ready to go. And, and they pump her up, right? And then they say, right, go, Neve. And Neve has to pass me before I can touch the boat or get out of the boat. And then, according to Neve, no matter what happens, you don't touch Neve or you don't, well, you're not supposed to touch the other swimmer. So, anyway, as we were, we were going along, uh, Neve decided to swim inside me rather than outside me, which was fine. But anyway, so I pulled up and she goes, don't touch me. And I went, I won't. And then I heard from the boat some wag going, I'll give her a snog. <laughs> I, have that, I have that clip here. If you listen, here it is. Best of luck, Neve. Don't touch me. Don't I won't. Go, Go for the snog. So, Joanne, any, any time Declan comes near me now since then, I'm like, don't touch me. That's like the running joke now. He's Which I'm like, fine with, me. by the way. I'm fine yeah, with. he's fine with that. <laughs> but, but in public, though, I mean, if you're going for a swim and he's coming up beside you, are you in public? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm all screaming at him, don't touch me. Yeah. And the pull up everything, don't touch it, me. Um, yeah. It's done wonders to my reputation, Joanne. Wonders. <laughs> I can imagine. But I mean, she is the media diva. So, you know, hashtag yeah. notions, maybe. No, no. <laughs> oh, um, dear. I never lived that one down either. Me and her five <laughs> friends. Ah <laughs> uh, no, it was fabulous. That was the Today FM interview was was absolutely brilliant with the with wasn't it Dermot and Dave? You were on, yeah, Dermot. yeah. And then they 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 put the podcast up and and the funny part was, which is where this is all come from. They had Neve and her five friends swim to Scotland, so they're like, <laughs> I just randomly picked five friends and said, "Here, lads, you want to swim to Scotland with me or what?" <laughs> so yeah, this is the new thing. They Neve and her five friends. So I'm never here at the end of it, but then. I, I, I don't even think they're my friends. Well, I mean, at least probably four of them are, but one of them, we won't, we won't name one of them. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's just a running joke at the moment, but it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that, Joanne. That's good. That's good. I, I want to ask about your families um, and how they felt about you coming home after a swim with the King Walrus or maybe a conversation with the King Walrus where he says, I, I'd like you to swim the North Channel with me in the middle of winter in uh, something that's never been done before. And you went to your families and said, yeah, I'm in. Uh, what, <laughs> were the, what, were, what were the reactions? There's the door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. From from my point of view, Duane, I'm I mean, I know my mother <laughs> was going crazy in the WhatsApp group, but like from my home, like my husband is amazing and knows I'm a nut job, knows I'm mental and is completely behind that. And when I told him that I had this once in a lifetime opportunity, he just looked at me and he said, go for it. Why wouldn't you go for it? You're well able. Get the training in. Listen to what Jair has to tell you. Do what your teammates do. Go for it. Do it once in a lifetime. So he had absolutely no hesitation in pushing me and you know pushing me out the door days on end training he's happy age you know gone for hours on end but no he a huge support and I mean I know I, I, I joke about my mom but she was the same and my sister and that they're all amazing and um, I'm sure deep down they obviously had the fear of God in them but um, they knew like that I am quite stubborn and you know all along I was never going to let let this beat me because I didn't want to let myself and my family down but I didn't want to let the lads down I mean, five mates I'd never heard the end of it if I let my five friends down so they knew they knew that I put the work and the effort in and they were 100% behind me I don't know you know maybe some of the the lads will tell you different because they obviously they're you know their partners or wives or whatever but I think females maybe think overthink 
things more than men whereas my husband was just like go for it so I was lucky in that regard that it was it was it was a male I was coming home to to address it with so um yeah no I got 100% support and I'm sure the lads will will give you their point of view but and and Vincent you were no stranger to danger being a a fireman yeah well no it was the same I suppose coming home there was a uh, why do you want to do this like why can't you just go out and just go for a swim and enjoy the swim and it's just kind of you want to just push it and see what you can see what you're capable of and kind of just want to do that so no there was a huge amount of support from at home but as you said there's a lot of worry and a lot of kind of uh, fear for when they're sitting when they're sitting at home kind of watching it but I think once you kind of explained all the the safety procedures we had in place and that we were training properly it was all structured we knew what we were doing we knew what we were capable of doing it kind of put my wife's mind at rest anyway but I uh, know it's huge support from at home as well. So, but uh, she's just dreading to hear what the next thing is. That's the ne- <laughs> that's what she wants to know next. So I don't, we don't, have, I don't have anything planned any with the moment. I'm sure Jerry has something. There you go. The cogs are turning in the top of the head there. So we'll have to sit and discuss what it comes around next. But yeah, no, massive support from home and kids as well. Just think I'm amazing. Just well, they think I'm amazing anyway. So they they and they enjoy they enjoyed the experience behind it. And Colm, you're a primary school teacher, isn't that right? Yeah, that's correct. So what did your kids think uh, in school when you told them you were going to swim from Ireland to Scotland? Yeah, well, at the moment, um, yeah, we're working with very young kids with a six-year-old. So um, I hadn't said an awful lot about it, but word got out kind of in the last couple of days beforehand. Um, and they were all, all talk about it and trying to find out um, about the swim. But <clears throat> while, while, the swim, while we were away, you know, I, I was obviously not in work on the Thursday and Friday, but it really built in the school while I wasn't there. And there was a huge amount of uh, lessons and going on and um huge amount of, of the of the tracker being followed on Friday. The internet in the school actually went down um because there was um 30 odd whatever um classes what of watching and I, I was kind of th- I was kind of thinking of parents asking kids what they did in school that day and them to get a response. We followed a red dot across the screen. But um, I got a, got a great welcome um, into the school on Monday. They had organised to do a non-uniform day to, to add to the to the funds, which raised nearly 3,000 um, to go into the charity as well. And all week I've been asked to go into classes and um, some amazing questions by the children and um, things like that. So, yeah, now the school is uh, kind of, it's kind of blown, blown people's mind, really, of all, of all ages, you know, from parents down to, down to children. At what point during the swim did you realize you were going to do it? That you were almost within touching distance and you knew that, like, if we just kept swimming, we were going to do it. We were on the boat on the way home. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I knew from the time we started. Um, Honestly, I... I didn't know how hard it was going to be or how easy it was going to be or if we were going to do, if if it was going to be a real slog at the end. But I felt once we started, we were very confident of getting it done. The excitement started to, to, to raise actually when Dave was in the water and we could actually see, we could see uh, poor Patrick, right? We could see the, the port and we could see it, the lights getting bigger and the definition of, of the port. Um, and then, you know, we knew then it was either going to be jar touching the wall or column. It was very clear that that we needed to go no further. We were kind of disappointed and happy that you know we didn't get our three hours. And then uh, it was a champagne moment for Jer to have started it and finished it. And 
you know, because he's been our leader, because he's been that ringleader, and um, it, it's it's been amazing that he got to start and finish it. No, I, I it just couldn't have been better. I, I, we all said we didn't care who touched that wall, but we actually for it to be Jar was was amazing. And then you know the whole way through, it was all about the charity as well. And just to as we swam, it was like we can't not do this because I would hate to go back and say, oh, we're going to get some of those donations back. You know, <laughs> no, it probably wasn't going to happen. But yeah. but really, I think everyone was doing their very best in the water, and there was no question we weren't going to finish. And I saw that as soon as Jar was ready to go with his and he had his game face on, you know, at the start line. He was very serious, all right, in that very first video that I saw at 06.56 on yeah. Friday, the 14th of <laughs> January. Ger, I want to talk to you a little bit. I, I know we've delved into this before, talking about pressure. It's one thing to have the pressure to be swimming, but it's another thing to have the pressure to have your five swimmers behind you and with you and the crew and everything that has come with it as this massive expedition, this record that you're going to do. We've talked already about going into the unknown with the hourly swims. How did you deal with that pressure that did you feel there was extra pressure on you or were you taking it all in your stride as you went knowing that your team was so strong both in the water and on the boat yeah great question um i've been an expedition leader for about five or six years and basically a leader for about 20 you know with different things i've done in my own career and my own life and i think all this kind of knowledge of actually being able to absorb that kind of pressure uh from dealing with paperwork which had to be in order um from irish long distance swimming association dealing with committee level um you know trying to choose the right swimmers which obviously i did um you know talking to the padre mallon and infinity and the structure of the boat which i've never seen i knew it was a new boat but i was he was doing some videos for me so it's just compiling information and the way I just do it, I just start compiling from four months out and start compiling, compiling and just we have Google Drives that we actually can completely fill up. I hand out jobs to people to do, to say, right, lads, here's a drive. I want to put all your medicals into the drive and they'll be inspected by IRVSA and myself and obviously the medic as well. So it was trying to... I don't know, it's experience to actually get to that. And my my job was to get us to the start line. And, you know, when I, and then when I, I went up to Donaghy on the Wednesday to stay there and I felt everything was done, uh, in my opinion. So I wanted to get, that was my start line for the first bit, was to get there and that I don't have to worry about, have I forgotten something? We've done everything. We've done everything by the book, very fine detail um recovery process all that kind of stuff very very important um when i stepped on there i said right all i need now is the number five swimmers and you know i i reckon um i mean starting to swim at that night you with kind of 20 20 maybe 30 people looking at you someone sure on the boat uh yeah you have to you have to be able to keep your heart rate in order and your blood pressure will rise and tension will rise and you just have to i don't know it's it's not something you, you can teach. It's only experience will get you to that point where you actually, you're starting such a magnitude swimming. The world is watching you and you can absorb that kind of, I don't know, pressure, if you want to call it. But, you know, the team already, uh, I wanted to be a swimmer on board, not a uh, leader. 
because we had three magnificent crew, uh, Jared Devon, Edward Bogg, and Kelly Admin. And I wanted to literally hand over the crew and the structure to them, which we already had trained them and we discussed things. So I, I wanted to have my swim as a swimmer, not a leader, not telling people what to do. I didn't want I didn't want that. And I kind of just tried to shut my mouth, to be honest with you, which can be hard because I know so much about it. Um, and in fact, uh, Jer and Ed came over and shook my hand for shutting my mouth, which was pretty cool because I, I was glad I, I, uh, I wanted to be a swimmer on board and not a leader. If, if you if you can understand what I mean, yeah, hundred percent, absolutely, yeah. Because I I I know myself from some of the ultra cycling stuff we've done, the meticulous planning that needs to go in, and the success comes from the meticulous planning and the training and everything that you do. It's not just down to the the swim or the cycle or whatever it is that you do on the day. Um, it's actually the hours and hours of work that go in yeah. in advance and being able to hand over to your crew and your crew chief and whoever's there with you to to deliver stuff. One of the big questions that's come through uh, from listeners is that what were you thinking when you were in the water? So you mentioned there that you were not having to worry about what was happening on the boat because you were now a swimmer, not an expedition leader. So what what were you thinking when you were swimming? Were you counting strokes? Were you looking at the fish? Uh, well, for me, I just completely, yeah, you become la-la land, you know what I mean? Like, I just think about trying to empty my brain and just think about nothing. Just think about do your rotation, do your do your best swim as you can. Uh, you're not allowed to wear watches or GPS devices, so you don't know your distance, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't really care because I know I'm going to swim an hour. Um, it is against the rules to wear watches. So even though when you're on the boat, you're trying to work out your distance, I, I don't I don't go there because I've just experienced enough that you will get there if you keep rotating the arms as a team. And um, so it just basically no thoughts, you know, at peace because everything is done. You know, I didn't say, oh, well, I didn't pack that soup. I like I had every soup in the bag and I didn't even have any soup. <laughs> and what about the rest of you? Mine is I, I count. I basically I count every single stroke. So I know every 15 minutes I've done like about 470 three strokes every 15 minutes. So I'm watching me stroke. So I'm getting my 15 minute board from the boat each 15 minutes and they're giving me stroke count, which is 64. So once that stays the same, that's kind of me. But it says, Jerry said, I just switch off and I count and I just switch off in the water. I just enjoy it, enjoy the moment in the water, just being at one in the sea. Um, and then just, that's it. Just kind of zone out, just switch off. I, I try to zone out. But then occasionally one of the playlist songs that Colm had been playing gets stuck in your head and you just can't get rid of it. Did you have Baby Shark playing, Colm? No, Close no, enough. no. Dave, 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 Dave loved the playlist. And he, there was there was music for everybody. And it was, it was uh, another another part of the preparation. But uh, I, I I thought of the the one thing that I thought of was, I know I think Declan kind of mentioned it earlier maybe, was the, the pe- all the people that donated and all the people I'd have to look at if we didn't get there. That's what I was thinking of. And they, if I needed a little, like, I mean, we all love swimming. That's why we're there. So you're out there doing something you enjoy. But at times I did have little thoughts of those people who had donated to the to the charity. And I didn't want to be looking them in the eye saying, sorry, we didn't do it. <laughs> Avoid overthinking, Joanne, you know, because if you do, it just ruins your swim, ruins your flow. And, uh, and you know, you get into overthinking about, Jesus, I'm out here in the middle. Where's the boat? What are they waving at me? Am I okay? When you go, you're fine. 
just stretch out, enjoy that swim, get into your flow state, right? And that that then, you know, helps you with the cold, managing the cold, you know. Um, and you're checking yourself then to make sure that you're doing what you need to do, you know. I'm interested if anyone else, for me, I didn't notice the cold at all in that swim. And I was checking the chart. The lowest temperature was 7.9 that was registered on the swim. It's adrenaline. It didn't hit me at all. And when I was swimming, it was I was just curious as to what time I was. And then when it was half an hour left, I was, geez, I wish it was longer. And as I said, like when it got to the end, I was like, okay, I gotta get out. But I knew at the end of my second swim, that was definitely my last swim because you could see land. It wasn't that far off. But I think that's all because as as been said by the other people, we all enjoy swimming so much. And when we swim, incline or 40 foot, we generally push it to as far as we can go until we can't get our socks on. As in, when you get out of the water, your hands are so numb, your feet are That's so numb, you're, you're just so yeah, <laughs> Colin doesn't wear any socks <laughs> for that reason, probably. It's funny actually, Dave, because you know, the training you did and all you did, that's why you had that feeling, mm. you know, because you trained so well and so meticulously to plan that you're actually adapted to that water of eight degrees, whereas you said you're not feeling the cold. Your fingers aren't cold. You might be tired or whatever, but you know that, and that's why the training process of four months from say you know twelve degrees, eleven degrees, all the way down to sixes and fives. That's why you felt that way. We all had an, we all had uh, recovery. We didn't. We no one had a horrendous recovery because the the, the process works uh, the way we train. So. And I agree with you. Yeah, we felt great in the water, absolutely. And it's like eight degrees. Yeah, what's you know, whatever, like you know, kind of thing. But you should feel like that, you know. Before we move to some of the audience questions and, and the listener questions, um, any particular highlights from the day itself and any low lights? No, I think the whole day was actually it was all high, it was all there was not there was no low bits in it. I don't think there was a few people getting sick. I suppose some there was some toilet moments going on in the back of the boat at, t- at times. I won't get into details, but there wasn't a toilet on the boat. I was ill, actually, all morning. I had a really bad headache. I was hydrated, gastro issue the day before. So I was trying to recover. Um, and I know after my first swim, they were all kind of, you're a bit grey, uh, mister, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I ha- I went for a lie down. I had, a, I think, about 40 minutes of a lie down. I got up and I ate and the colour came back in, you know. So, um, <laughs> And then I'd say Neve decided, you know, that's a good idea. And Neve went and laid down um, and ended up getting seasick from it. But uh, now we won't talk about column and, you know, she was sick of column two, but that's another story but uh she did end up getting sick and she had to was, you know, yeah yeah we, i was i was grand actually until they said oh you need to get a little bit of rest and i colin was down in the little like it's literally like a triangle so he had the the long bit in the middle because he's like six foot whatever you are there column and i had like this little tiny bit and i'm not six foot some, but i'm probably that wide and i had to go in and lie down and I was trying to sleep, which wasn't possible. And I knew I wouldn't sleep, but they were like, oh, you need to get a bit of rest. You haven't laid in. You need to get rest. You need to... And I just said, come, just come do it because you're just going to keep at me. And I was like, I know this isn't going to be a good, like, there's not going to be a good outcome. And then about five minutes, I turned around and I said, come, oh, I'm going to get sick. And he was like, Jesus, get out. So I got out of the thing and I went down the back and Kelly had made me um, like pasta. 
And I just took one whiff of it when I went back into the boat. And I got, so I went out the back and Callum in fairness to him, like a good big brother, even though he's younger than me, came out and rubbed my back and helped me as I was vomiting over the side or feeding the fish, as my as my son said. But then I was brand new. It was just literally, I, I shouldn't have done that. But like we all learn things, I think, on this that we wouldn't do. And one thing for me that just didn't work because literally I could smell the petrol, which I had said the day before. I love the smell of, but not when you're <laughs> in this enclosed little space. And, you know, I could hear the water smacking off. It was just, it was a weird feeling. And yeah, I knew I was going to be sick, but then I was grand after it. But yeah, I think, you know, I think the main thing as well that people do forget, and this was, I suppose, a big surprise to me was the lack of space on the boat. Um, it is very tight. There was a lot of us on it and just trying to find your stuff and keep your stuff in one place. Um, you know, and then obviously the ladies, because there was no toilet, there was like a bucket. So, you know, those kind of things, they're all challenges and they're all things that you have to just get used to and just, you know, sort of suck it up and, and do what you have to do. But they all add to the, the challenge of the day. But overall, I think there were no, I know Vincent said it, there were no low parts I think everybody had maybe a little dip where they were just tired or they were in the zone but everybody was in really good form and I think that really boiled down to the fact that as Jacqueline said none of us was was going to let the other person down or ourselves and we were going to get across whether it was like 13 hours or 18 hours we were in it for the long haul we were going to get there one way or another and I think that we all knew that as well so that kept us that kept us high in the spirits up. And how are the emotions when you could see that, you know, you were nearly in Scotland, Ger was in the water, uh, you were within touching distance of, of setting a new record, crossing the channel, incredible achievement. Were there tears? Yeah. From Ger? Uh, yeah, it was me afterwards, actually. Yeah, yeah, I was quite emotional afterwards and I'm glad it was dark because I was crying my eyes out, you know. Jer, when he was um, in the water, you know, Jer cried, uh, yeah, he wept he uncontrollably, yeah. and rightly so, because it was a three-year journey for him. So yeah. yeah, it was really emotional, and we all kind of felt that. So I think we were all emotional for yeah. Jer as well as ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. A big high, big high as well. I think well, the the, the finish and, and the, the celebrations over there, and we we, we had preempted success with our confidence win, and we had we had a champagne with us and. Uh, um, moment we had the flower of Scotland playing him um, just as we touched the shore <laughs> but but I think the big highlight the big highlight and you touched on family earlier for us when we got back um, and a very quick boat journey back you know nearly 13 hours to, to swim and 45 minutes back in a boat but when we, we were all met with our with our uh, wives husband and uh, my folks were there as well other people that we swim with and that was really that that was amazing really for all of us i think we you know, all agree that was really special to see them all there because we didn't really know when you can't give them a plan or a time so we were unsure if anybody would be there and, and, and the people the the people from uh, the locals in donegadee as well uh, you know who the channel swim means so much to so see, seeing and seeing the joy that you your swim brought to other people was kind of something that i didn't really expect there's two emotional parts. There was that piece which Callum said that when we got back in, and all the families were there, and it was just it was just a lovely moment. Everyone came up the steps, and it was just pure joy for everyone. But the bit that got me the most was at the very beginning, when we were on the boat and we left the harbour, and there was a few people there. But we went around to the start point, which is about a kilometer down the coast, which is I can't think of the name. What's Robbie's the name of the place? Point. Robbie's, Robbie's point, point, which is. 
historical point of where they start from. But there was about 15 locals or 20 locals out on the rock and they had torches to light up the rock. So Jer had to jump off the boat, which was really emotional anyway, because it was the start of the journey. And when he went in, there was a huge cheer at the start of the swim mm. for Jer in the water by the people on the land with their torches and also on the boat. And then it was suddenly like we were in it. And it was no question. There was never a question for me anyway that we weren't going to do it. It was like it was just a question of how long it was going to take. Was it going to take 10 hours or 15 hours? But those those two moments, the start and the end, were were the, were the moments for me. Uh, yeah. Are you are you bonded for life? God no. <laughs> There's only two or three swim spots in Dublin. <laughs> yeah, no. I I I I I don't know about the lads, but yeah, definitely. Like I actually really I I know I'm saying this out loud now. Don't record it, Dave. But I actually really miss being around them this week. I felt like this, you know, like they talk about the after drop when you get out of the water. I've had this like downer all week, like because. I haven't seen them or just having the buzz and it just feels like you know they we, we've done it now and yeah so yeah we will always have that bond because we did it together but also we had such great fun and look there was a lot of things going on in all of our minds beforehand we were nervous we were worried you know obviously Jer had the added pressure or everything else but I think by the end of it we really learned from from each other and we took a lot from it and I think it's something that you know, we'll all certainly bring with us to the grave, but there was there was a banter and a camaraderie between us. That's that's second to none. And I'll never forget that. And the boys, as I know, they slagged me, but they kind of did take me under their wing and they they looked after me. And I know even when I was in swimming, a couple of them were, were sending messages just to, you know, let my mum know is OK. So like they, they genuinely are good lads, even though I, I give them a hard time. They uh, they get it and it's been a pleasure swimming with them and I'm and I'm so grateful. I'm going to get emotional now, but yeah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I, know, I it, think it, the yeah. journey, Joanne, wasn't just the 14, 13 hours, 14 hours in the boat. It was just that was just a continuation of what we've been doing, like the team swims, the qualifications, all those things were you know just absolutely uh, critical to the whole. Our, our our relationships and I think I, I think we do have a special relationship we'll have it for life you know so um and it's not just about those 14 hours of boat it's probably the other 60 or 80 hours we were working together you know well it's it's like the training and everything that you did in advance was all the hard bit mm-hmm. and then the swim was the victory lap really yeah. at the end of the day but you're not just the only winners from the North Channel swim because the Gavin Glynn Foundation and the people that um John and his wife and the Gavin Glynn Foundation uh, support are going to benefit and I think there's one particular individual that you were supporting as well through the event and the last time I looked was there nearly 40,000 euro in the pot 44, I believe. 44 now. And there's more to come. There's definitely more more to come you know absolutely brilliant well we put the the link into the notes so if anybody's tuning in and wants to uh, donate some more money maybe we'll get it to 50,000 before uh, the end of the month I am conscious of the time but we did have some questions that came in so I'm going to very quickly uh, ask some of these one of the lads David Coran says why (laughs) David Coran why um yeah, that's a big, that's a big one. Uh, why? Because look, to, to do an extreme challenge on your doorstep, which is Ireland, and to do it with five other Irish swimmers, uh, it's very, very special. And to me, that was the ingredients to the whole thing. 
was to do, can, can I do that? Can I pull that off? And that's the why, because it hasn't been done. And, but I have five great, great Irish summers and, and the North Channel is exceptional, tough. So there's the why. Uh, Neve, a question for you from Louise O'Reilly. She says, how does it feel to reverse roles and now become Joe Redmond's new swim coach for the 2022 race season? <laughs> oh dear for Jer. Oh my God. Yeah, no, Jer, look, I like Jer was fantastic in, in giving me the confidence to to swim because I had lost an awful lot of it. Uh, well, I'd lost a lot of zest for life when when my business took a, a downturn with the pandemic. And in fairness to Jer Redmond, he he grabbed me out of that dark space and got me back doing what I love. And you know, he'd he'd be out there swimming. And the funny thing was when I started back swimming after all those years. Jer was like this was before he broke his uh, his neck. He he used to be so much faster than me. I mean, literally, he was so much faster than me. And then he broke his neck. But then he got back, and he's he's been doing all his triathlon since. But now, like I literally lap him out at Low Rock, and it drives him mad. Like you can see the rage in his face that I beat him. So like he's it's not it's like unspoken. But Louise obviously and Paul Byrne like they have great crack. Like they'd be watching us getting out of the water and. Jared be getting it like absolutely frozen in his wetsuit, like literally frozen. And Paul and Louise, well, especially Paul, of course, winding them up. How did you get on there, Jerry? Yeah, yeah. How did Neve get on there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, she did three laps. You've done two and she still beat you. So, yeah, poor old Jared gets a lot of ribbon, but uh, he's fantastic. And as I say, he reintroduced me to swimming and pushed me, telling me what I was capable of. I suppose reawakening that love for the sport. And now I literally can't get enough. If I could swim, if I could live in the sea, I would. Like, I just, I love it. But I have a lot to thank Jerifer and uh, I'll give him a discount on some lessons. <laughs> we'll pass <laughs> on the race. message. We'll pass Mates on the race. message. <laughs> um, Eleanor Gallagher asks, uh, how did you recover from only being in the water for an hour and waiting your turn to get back in? I think we've kind of covered that, but actually what she's asking in the second part of that question is, was that harder than a continuous swim? So was the waiting around and the recovery harder uh, waiting to go in for that second swim and for Jeremy maybe waiting to go in for that third swim than it would have been if you had to swim for maybe an hour and a half each and maybe only do the hour and a half each? I, I don't think we would have lasted past 70 minutes. Like people don't understand that 7.9 water, like it's like our body temperatures were down at 28, as we said earlier on, like you'd, you've another 10 minutes max, maybe 15 in you before that that tank, you're, you're in complete shutdown. So you're out to recover. There's there's not much more in that with the temperatures. In summer, it's fine, but the, I, I, people jump down in 40 foot. Like I remember you were saying there earlier on, why why did we do this? And I was actually kind of thinking, why, why, why did we actually do it? <laughs> and it was more like, why not? So two years or three years ago, I jumped in on Christmas Day and I thought my skin was going to fall off. It was so cold and it was nine degrees. And then like three years later, we're doing a challenge like this. So the why is why not for anyone? Like we're all we're all different walks of life. We're all in a in, in our middle ageish, and you hey, just take up a challenge Colin. and go for it. Sorry, Colm. Sorry, Colm. I forgot about Colm. Colm's a young Thank teenager. You. Oh, sorry, Anita. Anita. Oh God. Anyway, but why not? So three years ago, none of us would have even thought about this. Like a year ago. We only started, well, for me, I only really started swimming in the real proper cold. I know Jer was there before, but it just it just snowballed. And why not? 
I, I think there's a big fascination as well with cold water swimming and even the, the jump in the amount of people that are swimming now because of COVID generally across not only here, but, you know, in the UK and, and further afield. And, and we've had Kat Pendleton. We've had Ger on the podcast as well. We've had uh, Pat Cook Rogers, who loves all the ice stuff. She's gone off to the Yukon Arctic. Gavin Hennigan did the Yukon Arctic. There's a big curiosity around doing stuff in the cold, even climbing Everest, things like that. It's just, um, it's just some, I, I don't know, is it something that we can, it's tangible and we all know how cold it can be. And maybe there's a bit of a curiosity around it. But this podcast does come with the health warning. Please do not go yeah. jumping into ice cold water. Don't, don't try this at home. Don't try this at home, anybody. <laughs> uh, we will not be held responsible for your actions. Um, so this does come with a health warning. And obviously, as you've heard, uh, lots of training and expertise and planning and everything went into this. So you know the man to contact which is uh, Jared Kennedy, if you want to <laughs> venture into some ice swimming. Um, but yeah, please do not just think that you can go off and do some of those cold, uh, cold water swimming. Uh, Brian Dillon asks, uh, during your swim, can you describe the mental battle and what tips could you give on how you overcame this? One of the things was not overthinking. And uh, the crew were amazing, first of all, in the support, because all you could see was the boat can't see anything else you can see the waves in front of you um uh, and you shouldn't be looking that way if you do so it's really about fighting the boat and the team on the boat so they're counting your stroke they're watching you um they're seeing what you do so you're kind of you're nearly overthinking am i doing everything right are they they you know are they are they waving at me because i'm doing something wrong or whatever so you really had to block that out but what was great was one of the ways to break that mental block was they had numbers that they held up to say, hey, you've, you're, you're 15 minutes done, you're 30 minutes done, 15 minutes to go. That five minute to go thing was just beautiful, right? And, and then the boat moving so that, you, you know, they were getting ready to, to ship you out. Um, uh, so, so the crew were absolutely critical in making sure you didn't play those mind games in, in the water by yourself, right? Um, and you, you were waiting for those 15, 30 you know, 15 minutes left, five minutes left, um, and you were working towards those and your team were, were egging you on. So I'd say that was that was the winner to any any mental battle in the water. We did get a load of questions from Anne. I'm not sure which Anne it was, but she sent me a lovely message uh, for the podcast. So we actually had some of these questions come in already. This one is for Neve. Do you find that your teammates or well-wishers and the swimming community treat you differently from the lads? And if yes, do you like it or not? Um, no, I don't think um, I don't think they treat me differently. No, I think um, in this day and age, you know, I think it's actually refreshing to see a female on the team. But I also think it's great that you had faith in me because, you know, obviously, um, I, I don't want to speak at a term, but I suppose the the mindset would be that the male would be stronger in these kind of conditions. But Jer will tell you that he has with females all over the world and they're at, they're at the same level and they're higher. But I think the message out there is that, uh, especially in this day and age where, you know, obviously women are out there trying to, you know, I suppose get our voice heard for what's happened in the news there lately. I think it's very important to let women know that we, our bodies are capable of doing what men do. And I think, you know, I've proven that. And so have a lot of the girls in the group with us in the wars. They're all, you know, phenomenal as well. And I think it's very important to know that, you know, it is possible if you surround yourself with, you know, positive thinkers and people that have the same mindset. And if you actually realize that your body is way more capable and 
really and truly our mind gives up before your body. So it's just that mindset. You know, I can do this. I'm as strong as the lads. I'm as strong, you know, and it's not even a competition, but it's like, you know, don't put yourself down. Women can do it uh, just as well or better than men. And I think it's very important to get that message out. And I have got that from a lot of people. They don't treat me differently, but they're just like, oh, my God, you know, I don't mean you're an inspiration, but what you did is inspiring. And, you know, that that you were able to go out there and do that and you didn't have the fear, you know, you you knew in your head that you would do it or else you wouldn't have taken it on because you you would have let your team members down. And that's kind of been the resounding like message that I've received from people is that it's wonderful to see that a woman can do it, that she is as strong mentally and physically as the boys, whether I'm slower than some of them or whatever. I still have the mental resilience. And that's been I suppose that's from learning from Jer and and the four other lads as I've gone along. But like to me, they haven't treated they've treated me in a positive way. Um, and I suppose they've realized that they can do it as well. And it's it's inspired a lot of people as well. I have had a lot of messages from females, whether they are swimmers or not, just saying, you know, what you did is inspiring. And it's great to know that females can do these things. So, yeah. It's it's brilliant. And you can even hear, and I'm sure the listeners will hear it. I can see it because obviously we're doing this over a, a video Zoom call. But there's a genuine level of mutual respect for everybody that's on the team. And there's a very real sense of community. And I asked about that bond earlier as well. But you can see it uh, within you and, and how you all talk about the belief that you all had in each other to actually complete this um, this challenge. And you are an inspiration. And I think, Colm, you know, I think kids in your school will forever remember when their teacher swam from Ireland to Scotland. And for many years, they'll be talking about it and maybe not remember why or what or whatever, especially some of the younger ones. But it will be amazing to see who you've inspired along the way, whether that's the young kids or people like myself who are just dipping in the water and jur spearheading the walrus challenge um you know for the last number of years so there's there's so much in what you have achieved and I think whilst you realize what you've done and the excitement of it all and the recovery and everything is still there it's six months time when you'll actually look back and go wow we did this that I don't think it will hit you for a while yet because there's so much fuss about it now but it's in six months time on some dark winter afternoon when you're going for a swim and you're like Jesus, I swam the North Channel with a great group of people. Um, and I think that's a I, I fantastic that, legacy to have. I think that's going to hit us in summer when it's warm and we kind of question <laughs> why we didn't do it in summer. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, I have one or two more questions. Uh, and one of those is, what's the biggest thing you have learned about yourself from the challenge? Again, I mean, just to just to go back on what I said, the biggest thing I've learned is that I can do anything I put my mind to and I need to just stop dating myself. And that if somebody has that faith in me, like Jared did, that I he can see something that I may not see. And um, he's nurtured it and he's pushed me and I need to just, you know, believe him and believe in myself. So that's the biggest lesson that I've learned is that, you know, Neve, like you are way more stronger in your mind and body than you've ever given yourself credit for. Um, and as are the lads. And I think that is a huge lesson that I've learned from this. Um, aside from, you know, doing this brilliant, like I can't speak highly enough, but I, I talk about it all day long and I'll talk about it all day long till the day I die. But I have learned that, God, Neve, like you might be nearly 46, you're you're carrying weight here or whatever, but you can bloody do this. And so can all those guys alongside you. So there's, there's a huge lesson, like it's it's mind over body. You can you can do it. 
that's my biggest lesson don't know about the lads yeah I definitely agree with you Neve. I definitely think it's kind of when you push yourself to something what you believing in yourself and what you can do it's just it's everything about this experience is just being positive there has been no negative things behind it and just pushing your body to what I'm sure we could probably even do even more you know it's just but it's all just positive everything's just been so positive and we're all so strong out of it and, and the next question I have is uh, <laughs> what's next would you do firstly would you do it again and try to go faster and what's next to go over and back I think is if yeah, we were yeah, going to do it over and back in yeah. the winter or the summer <laughs> I'm not going over and back no in no. the, go over and back in the winter or the summer would it have to be the ah, winter winter uh, Every, everyone does it in the summer yeah <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's, it's funny I've been getting messages from different people around the world that are saying can, can I do one with you next time can when are you coming here can you do this and I'm going you know, it's uh, it's very infectious what we did, and you know, for for us to get on like this, it's very special. And I mean, look, there, there always is a next. You know, um, you just gotta, f- I don't know, thinking thinking like that way with the North Channel, which is a never been done before uh, thing. It's, a, I don't know, it's very hard to think of the next because is it uh, for us as a team to go to the English Channel? and do it during winter in January. Uh, that's a possibility, absolutely. Uh, there is other channels out there, the Bristol Channel. It's, it's endless, but the first is always the best, you know what I mean? And it, it is can be very hard to recreate these kind of events. You know, the next time it might be so nice. Uh, somebody could, you know, you might get on with somebody you might think you would now. You know, and... I've learned with caution as well. Sometimes, you know, enough's enough. You know, you'd be happy with your lot. And then uh, just go back and support each other and uh, share the love for more swimming and go out and help somebody become a better person in swimming or, or a better person. We'll stop. So I'm not saying nothing yet. <laughs> so we'll leave, we leave the last word to Jer and say thank you so much to yeah. Declan, Jer, Vincent, Meave, Dave and Colm for joining me on this very special episode of the podcast. Congratulations again. I really can't wait to see what's next. I hope you enjoyed that extended episode of the podcast. They really are some team. Congratulations to them all on what was a once in a lifetime opportunity and what an achievement to now have both individually and collectively. Thanks for tuning into the show. You can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. You can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by and say hi. Let me know what you think of the show. And if you're new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be both impressed and inspired by our guests. Finally, be sure to sign up to our new e-zine featuring articles of interest, some great discounts and the inside track on supporting your triathlon and endurance sport journey wherever it may take you. Sign up on www.trytalkysport.com. It takes 30 seconds and I promise I won't bombard your inbox with emails. Just the important stuff. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day. Bye.